0: Such a privilege, isn't it, to pray together? And it's also a privilege to sing together. And we think about the fact that it was just a short time ago that we couldn't do that. And it's also a privilege to open up God's word. And if you have a Bible, and if you have access to one on a device, would you open please to Hebrews and chapter ten? And Leah's gonna read for us now. She's gonna come forward and read the the last part of that chapter from verse twenty-six. But why don't you read along with your Bible too? Hebrews Chapter 10.
1: So we're in Hebrews chapter 10 and beginning at verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners to those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you will have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls.
0: And we're going to have a great time here too, so I hope you have your Bible open. And the words that Leah read for us, we're going to have a chance now to look at them together and study them. Why don't I pray for us as we do that? Father, these words are, are not written by men, and yet they are in one sense, but they are your holy words, they're your message to us, and so as I preach, as we listen, as I listen, would you please help us to understand and respond to your living word that points us to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name. Amen. Hebrews and chapter 10. Well, Michael Kruger has written a book called Hebrews For You, and in that book, which is, I recommend by the way, he describes a really useful picture of what's going on at the end of Hebrews 10. Did you wonder what was happening? Well, listen to this picture. Michael Kruger writes about a documentary that follows the experiences of those who are training to be Navy Seals. You've probably seen similar documentaries yourself, and as you know, Navy SEALs are the elite of the elite in the U.S. military. Well, during this training, the, the trainers use a really, really intensive week to reduce down that initial selection of, of candidates down to the ones that are gonna keep going. And day after day, these recruits, while well, they're put through their paces, some really difficult physical challenges, um, lifting huge poles, running long distances that you would never think of running, paddling boats out to sea, and they're all exhausted, tired, wet. And eventually, a few days in, they're even falling asleep standing up. It's even tiring to watch. Now, if at any point somebody wants to quit, all they have to do is move to the center of the camp and ring the bell. And that's the ticket home. And that's a warm bed, hot meal, it's all there. And so the trainers to weed out these recruits, they keep shouting, just ring the bell. If you wanna give up, ring the bell. But just as someone would get up and go over to, sh- to ring that bell, the documentary showed that there were other voices too. This time voices coming from the other recruits. Don't quit, don't do it. And as they call out to their, their fellow recruits who have been through this ordeal, They give two reasons to them. They say things like, remember how far you've come and what you've endured. Don't give up now and it'll all be for nothing. And then they say, secondly, think about that goal in your mind. You wanted to make it to this elite group that you've always wanted to be part of. Picture yourself now, putting on the uniform. Now, if you're a Christian, you're going to hear both those calls from the final part of Hebrews 10. Because here the writer will urge Christians not to ring that bell, never to give up, to keep going, to keep following. Remember all you've endured, that first call. If you quit now, it's been a waste. And then secondly, look forward to all you stand to gain if you can just keep going. But did you notice that there's a third element that the writer to the Hebrews weaves in here. A third element to this call to keep going as a Christian, and here's what it is, it's a severe warning, verses 26 to 31, that came first in the passage that Leah read, a severe warning. A warning that, as we're gonna see, has some very, very serious language, language that's deserted or designed to alert Christians like you and me like those first recipients to the reality that ringing the bell will not be the answer to all your troubles. Worse than the loss of opportunity to join an elite team, ringing the bell in Christian terms has dire eternal implications. And that's what the writer wants us to get straight. And so I want you to think of those three parts then, this combination, there's this sincere reminder of all they've endured so far, And then there's a future-oriented prompt to look forward and keep going. Look what you stand to gain. And all that comes with a severe warning. It's quite a passage, isn't it? And it adds up to what's actually a very, very, very powerful call to persevere as Christians. So then, well, let's turn firstly, as the writer does here, to look at the severe warning. Incidentally, you'll see that Um, he devotes about half of his time in this section at the end of Hebrews 10. Half of it's given over to this severe warning, 26 to 31. Now, the first thing we need to understand is the very specific problem that the writer's tackling here. Let's read it together. Have a look at verse 26. Put your finger on the text. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Now, it's in some ways a very general statement, isn't it? Have a look. Go on sinning deliberately. So, is the writer here talking about Christians sinning, generally speaking? Well, have a look down to verse 29. And it's here that, The specific issue is defined for us. Have a look, middle of verse 29, the writer describes one who has spurned the Son of God. Now, I think what that helps us see is that there's a very specific issue being dealt with here that these verses are confronting. And it's that of apostasy. We've seen that in Hebrews before, as you know. That is the issue of giving up the Christian faith. Deliberate rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says, go on sinning deliberately, it seems clear that that's what he's saying. It's this deliberate rejection of Christ. And so that's the focus. A deliberate, sinful lifestyle of rebellion against the Lord, as verse 26 puts it, after receiving knowledge of the truth. So in other words, after people have heard the gospel and they know it, they go on then afterwards to reject it. And the writer says that And this has been his argument if you think about chapter 10. Because the only sacrifice for sins is Christ, verses 1 to 18, once for all, by someone walking away and giving it up, well then, what's left? There's one sacrifice for sins, once for all, and if you give that up, what are you left with? Well, verse 27, a fearful expectation of judgment. A fury of fire that will consume. Will consume who? Well, those who are now, by definition, by their own willful choice, transferred from, if you like, friends or comrades with Christ to the enemy, adversaries. This is treachery. And, and to continue the warning, he makes an argument, and this is called an argument from lesser to greater verses 28 to 29. So in the Old Testament, and the Old Covenant, people who turned away from God to worship other gods, well, they faced death if they did that. Death penalty under Old Testament law for treachery. But the writer says, well, what about now then? If under the Old Testament there was death for those who worshiped other gods, what about if you willfully reject Jesus? Well, look at the phrase he uses. Worse punishment will be deserved. And, and you get a sense of how worse, when you look at just what that rejection has entailed for these people. Look at it, it's described as, there's this graphic image of spurning. Now what does that mean? Well, it's a really graphic image of trampling something underfoot. It's a little bit like a, when a kid doesn't like something and the absolute utter defiance is to take it and stamp on it. So their mum has given them something to eat that they don't like. And the absolute defiance is to stand up. And here it's, it's absolutely horrifying. This is trampling underfoot. Insult, disdain, absolute contempt for Jesus Christ. And then there's another phrase, profaning the blood of the covenant. In other words, taking the precious, cleansing blood that Jesus gave for us on the cross, having understood it to be life-changing and life-winning, then to take it and complete disrespect for it. And then there's a third phrase, outrage the spirit of grace. It's really serious, turning away from Christ. You see, it isn't like transferring our loyalty from one team to another, or one supermarket brand to another, or one brand to another. It's utter treachery. And the writer says, those who ring the bell must be confronted with the truth of God's judgment. It's true, isn't it? God is love. He's mercy. God is grace. God loves us. But he's also, the Bible says, the God who judges. And so the writer says, know your Bibles. Because if you're going to walk away and decide to ring that bell on Christ, you have to remember that God is the judge. To have known the good news of Christ and then willingly walk away, well, that's to put yourself on, well, the other side, the enemy's side, eternally speaking. Look at that last line there. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You can see the power of a warning like that, can't you? See, it reminds people that this is no game. It's serious. It's not mere choice. It's a matter of eternal consequences. And and starkly, then, we're, we're all reminded of the consequences as Christians if we treat Christ like this. And here's a very deliberate marker in the Bible, a line in the sand by this biblical marker. Whenever I was 12, we were on the bus on the way to a rugby sevens tournament. It's towards the end of the season. It was early summer. It was great fun on the bus. We'd all got off classes for the day and here we were packed onto this bus The vibe was all laughter and fun. Now, our usual coach couldn't come with us that day, and so there was an older teacher that none of us knew very well, sitting at the front of the bus. He didn't teach first years, so none of us really knew much about him. But about a mile from the event, from the playing fields we were going to, he walked to the middle of the bus, and we knew by his demeanor that this guy was serious. If I say to you this man was old school, You might have a sense of what I'm saying. He didn't smile. He told us, and this is what he said, he hadn't given up a day to mess around. We're representing our school, and we'd better act like it and play like it. I have to admit, my attitude changed fairly quickly, as did the attitude of the boys around me. And I don't really remember how the results played out. Oh yeah, I think I scored about 10 tries. No, I didn't. I don't quite remember how it all panned out that day, but you know, we all played with a little bit more urgency, a bit more teamwork, a bit more determination. You see, the note struck on that bus on that morning made quite the difference. I mean, I remember it, I'm talking about it today. And sometimes the Bible's like that. It, It reminds us of the awesome God we're approaching. And perhaps our need for a bit of a more rigorous approach in response to his already amazingly gracious once-for-all sacrifice in Christ. And you know, given all of us and our humanity and our, we've all got a bit of a tendency to drift towards flippancy where God's concerned, or worse, apostasy. Severe warnings like this one are powerfully important for Christians to hear and hear well. It is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. Now it's at this point that the writer turns to say, Look at all you've been through. Here's where the calls at that recruit who's going up to ring the bell start to ring out. The warning's been said, but look what he says now. He says, Look at all you've been through. There's a sincere reminder then from verse 32 onwards. But recall, verse 32, have a look, but recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. The tone's changed, hasn't it? Immediately, and and as the writer asks now, Christians, remember your commitment to Christ in the past. Recall the former days. You endured a hard struggle, he tells them. You suffered for being a Christian, publicly. You were called out. You were made a spectacle of. And you even stood alongside those people who also said they were Christians. Like the group in your class at school that everyone laughed at as they went to the Christian club. And their attitude while this was happening, well, look at verse 34. They had compassion on those who were being imprisoned. And did you see that description? Joyful acceptance, even when their property was plundered. It's interesting. My, my brother was describing being in a shop one time and he saw something he really wanted. It was a second-hand shop. And he made an offer to the guy behind the till. And the guy said, okay, you can, you can have it four pounds or whatever it was. And just at that point there was another person beside him who'd put his hand on what he'd just bid for. And my brother says, you don't know what came over him? He hit the guy on the hand. Usually we're we're like, that's my property. And he said, it was like, this is COVID. I touched this person who was touching my property. And he, he was shocked at that sheer, my property that comes out in us all. But look at these Christians their property was taken, and they had joyful acceptance. Why? Well, we'll see that in a second. Now, what's going on here in Hebrews? Well, it might be a reference to AD 49, when Christians were expelled from Rome under Claudius, and that fits the detail here, but the point is that the Christians, well, they didn't give up even when they were attacked. They endured, and why? And here's where we're getting to the why, end of verse 34. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. It doesn't matter about my property because I know my inheritance is much better. And so the writer to the Hebrews reminds them of their resolute past commitment to Christ and the gospel, commitment that rightly understood how much better it is to be with Christ and what he has promised how much more lasting, more significant it was to have lives invested with Christ. I wonder, could we all take a moment to do the same thing? Think about a time in your life when because you identified with Christ, it cost you with other people. There were maybe some hurtful, snide remarks. Maybe you were overlooked. Mockery, or worse, perhaps for living as a Christian, you face some horrendous persecution. Well, you see, in a way, can't you see what the Bible's telling us? Those experiences in your past have helped build your resilience as a Christian. Those struggles are worth it because of the amazing gains that you now have, more than any suffering could ever take away. It was worth it, in other words. Now, if you can't think of a time, and perhaps that is you, I don't know any time where I suffered for being a Christian can't think of a time when my faith has been challenged. Well, you know, that's a prompt in itself, isn't it? Because there's nothing sure, the Bible tells us, those who identify with Jesus Christ, they will surely be persecuted. That will happen. And that's the normal Christian life. So perhaps it's a prompt, a gentle prompt here to finally and fully take that stand. Now, from the suffering that comes back at you in a small or a big way, you'll be gaining resilience that helps keep you from falling away. The message, it was worth everything that we endured. And you need to allow that endurance to help you as you face fresh persecution or rebellion or weariness for being a Christian in 2022. Well, then from telling the Christians to look back, he then goes and tells them to look forward, look ahead. And this is the last and final and brief thing here. There's a future-oriented prompt from this writer here in verses 35 to 39. Have a look. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So what's he getting us to look forward to? Reward, verse 35. What is promised, verse 36. The coming one will come, verse 37. In other words, live by faith in the meantime because of that reward, that reward that lies ahead. And it's hard to see it sometimes, that reward. Life feels so hard, so tough. Sometimes it feels as a Christian, I'm missing out. Maybe you're living with wounds from the past. And this promise of a future with Christ, it's not easy to think about all the time. Well, the writer says, don't ring the bell. Why would you settle for a mug of tea and a blanket Isn't that a lie? No, endure and live by faith now. Not blind faith, remember it's faith in the one who gave himself the better sacrifice, the son who's better, better than angels, better than Abraham, better than any priest, the better sacrifice once for all. I want you just as we finish to look at the grit and the faith and the determination of verse 29. Could you make this your prayer too? Have a look. But we are not of those who shrink back, no way, and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Brothers and sisters, the the severe uh, warning must have its impact. The sincere reminder must give us ballast and courage and endurance for the terrible storms ahead. And then this future-facing prompt calls us all out and calls us back. Don't ring the bell. Don't shrink back. Not today, not ever. Don't give up. Keep going. What a mix of warning and encouragement here. Well, let's use it to drive our lives into a season of faithful perseverance. Will you join me in that? Well, let's sing. And this final song is our prayer. Yet not I, but through Christ and me. Listen to the words of how the gospel cheers the songwriter and make this your prayer. Let's sing together. Why don't you stand as the musicians lead us.